0: Welcome to the Bite Size Human Geography Podcast, a timely and informative podcast where we investigate global issues using human geography concepts. We also discuss time tested study habits that help you get the grade that you deserve. It's human geography made simple. Hello, and welcome to Bite Size Human Geography. I'm your host and coach, Kara Smart, and I'm so happy to be here with you today as we work together to unpack the big concepts of human geography. In today's episode, we discuss political geography, and most specifically, I want to discuss the difference between unitary and federal states. Uh, One thing I've noticed as I've been watching the news and kind of watching all this coronavirus drama unfold across the planet is that I really find that people just don't have a solid understanding on the difference between federal and unitary systems and how those systems actually... um, Make a difference in how countries respond initially, and of course, how they respond later on down the line with regards to rules and regulations that are beginning to come out. Like for instance, uh, these lockdowns that are beginning to come out in regions. Some people are getting really frustrated that you know, like, why doesn't the president uh, create a lockdown, or why is it that the states have to do lockdowns, or the municipalities have to do the lockdowns? And so today, we're going to delve into that and kind of, uh, I'm going to explain to you the reasons why our government is structured that way and how we do differ. Um, from other governments. Okay, so when we're looking at these different systems, I want you to visualize a line. And then on the far left, That would be what we would consider our unitary systems. In the center would be our federal systems of government. And then on the far right would be our confederation type of systems of governments. And these have the the far left and far right designations have no bearing on political outlook. Okay, this is just if you're visualizing a line left, center and then right. So when we're looking at unitary systems, these type of governments are governments that have a strong central control, and the reason why they do is typically these are older governments. These are governments that have been around for a long time. They probably have remnants of monarchy, or maybe they still do have a monarchy, or maybe an empire, and so they're used to that strong authoritarian control. Um, these are going to also be governments that are culturally, or, or for the most part, they're going to be uh, governments that are culturally uh, homogenous meaning they're going to have a similar ethnic group Um, and so because of that you have these really strong centripetal forces or forces that bring a country together and so it's much easier to rule in a country where you do have um, a a shared common history some examples of this would be uh, let's take a look at italy or maybe the united kingdom um, china these would all be really good examples Uh, japan would be really good examples of unitary-type systems. Now, moving on to federal systems. Federal systems are types of government that have a shared set of powers. So you have a stronger uh, central government, the main government we call the federal government. And then you have uh, local units of government. It could be state. It could be a province, depending upon the terminology of the country, Uh, But you have these levels of government, and every kid in this country has learned the different levels of government since they were little. Uh, But what you were learning when you were learning about state, local, uh, and federal governments is the concept of federalism, this concept of shared powers. So federal governments tend to be newer uh, countries uh, that necessarily – they may not have a history of monarchy Um, These are often spatially very large countries. So take a look at the United States or maybe Russia. Uh, Russia is the largest uh, country on the planet as far as uh, square kilometers, square miles are concerned. And uh, Canada and the United States kind of follow closely after that. But um, these are all examples of federal governments. and the reason why that you have to have a federal government to govern effectively with large spatially spread out countries is because you are going to have tremendously different ethnic groups. And so what federalism does is it allows for differences in types of outlook. Um, culturally, politically, religious, religiously, and ethnically. And uh, so it allows for flexibility, and it helps to prevent forces that tend to tear a country apart, which are centrifugal forces or forces that tend to fracture a country. The last form of government on our uh, political spectrum line is going to be what we call confederations. And you don't tend to see confederations too much on the planet today because they are really highly ineffective. And they've been tried. And in this country, they've been tried twice. Those of you that remember your American history, the Articles of Confederation was our nation's first uh, form of government. And if you recall, the reason why it didn't work out too well is because nobody was really in charge and everybody wanted to be in charge. You know, Who was going to coin money? Who was going to be making alliances with other countries. Our second example of confederation in this country's history was, of course, the the confederacy during the Civil War. And we all know how that turned out as well. The same type of issues where you had people that were trying to grab power and be in control and essentially nobody was in control, which led to really ineffective types of leadership. So to spend a little bit more time on federalism, you know, th- there are a lot of benefits to federalism. Right now, you're seeing a lot of grumbling as grumblings as far as the negatives of it. But for the most part, federal systems do tend to be able to pivot and respond to um, regions and their peoples and how they feel about certain things. So, for instance, we know in this country there are some pretty high, high profile um conflicts that tend to play out on the national stage. Gun rights would be one, abortion laws would be another. And each state tends to have different laws for the most part with regards to these items. And that's actually federalism in action. Somebody in Texas is gonna have a very different view about these items than say maybe somebody in California. But the governmental systems allow for that because it's at the local level where these decisions are being made. And that's the beauty of federalism is it does respond on a local level to the needs of the people as opposed to a unitary system which is much more inflexible um, and can lead to to quite a bit of conflict as a matter of fact because people may feel that they are not having their needs met and that's when you begin to see those devolutionary pressures or those pressures that begin to unwind a country. And you, you're seeing this really all across Europe and, and in countries like France and in countries like Spain and in the United Kingdom, where people don't feel like their needs are being met. And so that's why you see these desires for um, fragmentation to begin uh, to occur, even in a place like Canada, with regards to the Québécois. Uh, they wanted uh, basically to kind of back out of uh, being Canadian because of their language. But the system of government in Canada is federal, and so it allowed for those um, challenges that were occurring with regards to it, to the Quebecois and allowed them to keep their culture and their language, and so that's why they are still considered uh, an intact country. So the, the main problem, and I think the thing that has most people upset uh, leading up to, um, you know, the United States response with regards to the coronavirus and this thought that, okay, it's not fast enough, it's not fast enough, is actually twofold. Um, the first, I think, is people are just impatient. They're they're waiting for the uh, proverbial Office Depot easy button, and that's just not how things work. Some things take time and you just can't press a button on your app and have things uh, available to you on a, the scale of what's required to re- a response to this crisis. Uh, but the second thing I think is just not understanding that federalism is by design. It's going to be a little slow to respond, okay? So especially with regards to testing, um, many people were very upset with the fact that tests weren't available immediately and they were only going to certain places immediately. But that was a response to through federalism. So it required local government to contact state governments and state gov- governments to contact the federal government to get those tests brought in. Um, now, of course, now we know, uh, I know uh, one of the briefings yesterday. Um, Dr. Burks was talking about how uh, we're, we're doing more tests now over the past eight days than South Korea did in, uh, I don't know, eight or nine weeks or something like that. So you're, you're seeing now federalism kind of kicking in and that relationship between the state and federal governments and local governments are finally solidified. But it does take time. Um, but once again, that's by nature. And I know it's frustrating, but that's just the nature of the system. When you're looking at this from the point of view of a human geography student, um, especially I'm speaking to those of you that take a PhD, uh, federalism does come up quite often with regards to FRQs. And so I wanted to um, get you to think about how this might look in an FRQ. I think the first uh, few questions, and if you know how FRQs are structured, it's typically more challenging questions at the beginning. And I'm sorry easier questions at the beginning and more challenging questions as you write towards the end of the FRQ. But um, on the more challenging side of an FRQ question, I would imagine it would be kind of a comparison that you're looking at. Like, what are the positives? of a unitary system, what are the negatives of a unitary system, what are the positives, think about the positives of a federal system and the negatives of a federal system. And this gives you a chance as you for you as a student to be able to compare and contrast, and knowing how to compare and contrast is just kind of a basic skill whenever you're doing any kind of social studies writing. I suggest if you are an APHG student, um, go pull up the 2017 FRQ. Uh, This would be the third FRQ in the series. Uh, There's a really great question there that discusses the differences between unitary and federal systems you have to be able to define and then discuss. Uh, That would be really good practice for you to be able to kind of get an understanding of how these questions could be asked of you. Um, And I think maybe that might be one that I'll pull apart when I do those FRQ pull-aparts on YouTube. Well, as much as I hate to say it, that's all the time that we have today. This is a bite-sized human geography show after all. Uh, Please click subscribe to support this podcast and to get all the latest updates as they happen. And feel free to email me at bitesize, B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E-D, humangeo at gmail.com with any questions that you'd like answered. Uh, Remember, this is your show as well as mine. See you next time.